The Israel Report with Rolene Marks. It's just gone 18 minutes past five. Joining us on the line now to bring us breaking news, our correspondent from Israel, Rolene Marks. Rolene, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. I wish there was a better way mm. to start today's broadcast news of a terror attack in Ma'ale Adumim. A short while ago, at least five people have been injured. According to Magin David Adom, uh, one man in his 40s is seriously hurt. Four other victims, including a 14-year-old boy and three men aged 28, 29 and 37, are in moderate condition. They have been taken to a nearby hospital. Now, the terrorist uh, who was identified by law enforcement as a Palestinian in his 20s has been uh, shot dead. This is according to the Palestinian uh, Health Ministry as well. Uh, his identity was verified a short while ago. He is uh, 20-year-old Mohamed Mohammed Sulaiman al-Mazra'a. He comes from the West Bank town of al-Azaria. And uh, it was a border control policeman who managed to neutralize him. The Prime Minister and the Defense Minister have been appraised of the situation the head of Israel's police force, Kobe Shabtai, has visited the scene. And uh, according to Shabtai, the border guard actually managed to stop what could have been a mm. catastrophic terror attack. Mm, not a nice way, as you mentioned, Rowling, to start off the uh, chat with us uh, this afternoon. But wishing everybody a speedy recovery. Let's look at the Prime Minister. Prime Minister Netanyahu, Bibi's U.S. interview charm offensive. Why is the PM sitting for so many interviews? And what are some of the things he has said? Tell us more. Well, this is a very interesting development mm. and one that's actually getting the Prime Minister a lot of criticism here in Israel because the general feeling is, uh, and we know because we discuss it every day, that Israel is going through a difficult uh, time right now with these proposed judicial overhauls. And the Prime Minister has brooked a lot of criticism for a number of reasons. He's seen as somebody who's not using conciliatory or unifying language. Mm. Uh, he's also, um, uh, as we saw last Sunday in the Knesset, he did not play much of a role, if any, in uh, trying to compromise. There was a lot of criticism leveled towards him because we saw the Defence Minister, Yoav Gallant, pleading for a compromise, the Justice Minister uh, refusing to budge, and the Prime Minister refusing to basically intervene. But where he's getting now uh, additional criticism is that he has gone on this charm offensive on various mainstream media in the United States, very much knowing who he believes his audience is, Fox mm. News, uh, CNN, ABC last night, uh, and the criticism is, is that he's not talking to his own people, and the belief is that he will not answer the difficult questions that the, the um, Israeli media will throw at him. Mm. Now, I know that uh, there are many people, myself included, some, who sometimes think, you know, <laughs> our media here can drive you absolutely uh, nuts from the extreme ends of the of the spectrum, you know, the, the far right media, the far left media. But Israel's media is... Uh, basically regarded by Freedom House as uh, probably one of the most open and robust and democratic in the world. A um, 
a title that we hold quite dear and the role of the media, and this is where a lot of people get confused, is we're not there to be advocates or, or Hasbara agents. We are there uh, when the government, and, and I'm sure you would expect it of your media in South Africa, when the government does something mm-hmm. that we believe is in the interests of the public or something that does not meet with the merits of democracy, our role is to expose it uh, and question. It and, and bring it to the public. So the, the Prime Minister who um, refuses to answer uh, the big, big question that several media outlets are asking him, which is if the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. uh, who are meeting next month on the 12th for a historic 15-judge quorum, mm-hmm. this is the first time all 15 judges have sat for a uh, a ruling like this, if they overturn the reasonableness law that was passed last week, will the government respect the decision of the Supreme Court? Now, our defence minister, Yoav Galant, is on record in the media saying the government absolutely will, and the prime minister is refusing to answer mm. the question, which of course is making international headlines. Sure. Um, he's also said things like he doesn't believe Israel is headed towards a, a civil war, but the onus is going to be on him and other leadership to stop the incitement, and that is to stop using words like leftist, anarchist, and, and some of the various other uh, invective uh, that we are hearing, especially coming from some members of, of the coalition government. And, and also he has said that, you know, uh, everybody's got an opinion about Israel, but Israel doesn't comment on the democracies of other countries, and that's a fair point. Uh, I, I think we're one of the few countries where we do see an influx of international leaders weighing in on our internal domestic politics. And as you mentioned, Ronnie, it's going to be very interesting following that uh, judicial gathering next uh, month and what decision they'll come up with and how Netanyahu will react. Uh, interesting perspective there as to how the government will entertain any decision coming from them. L- let's move on to the Secretary of Sec- Secretarian, Secretarian, Secretarian violence in Lebanon's Palestinian community. What is the situation for Palestinians in the Lebanon? What is happening right now? Well, I think the, the situation for Palestinians in Lebanon is one that needs to be discussed. You know, Israel's detractors love to throw out this accusation that Israel is an apartheid state. But let's take a look at what happens in Lebanon. Uh, in, in Israel, there is a big difference between Arab Israelis, who are Israeli citizens and fully enfranchised, and, and Palestinians who fall under the remit of the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank or Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And yes, there are Israeli Arabs that identify as a Palestinian, but based on the fact that they live in what we call Israel proper, they are regarded as Israeli Arabs and they enjoy full rights. Now, the same cannot be said of Palestinians in Lebanon, and actually Palestinians in Jordan, who make up the majority of the population there. So Palestinians in Lebanon are prohibited from entering certain professions, from owning property, and there's a whole host of discriminatory laws that govern Palestinians in Lebanon. Now, over the last couple of days, Palestinian um, uh, groups in the uh, the refugee camp of Ain al-Hilwa in the south of Lebanon have been engaged in clashes. 
And of course, we've heard a deafening silence from the international community. There's been no weighings in from the Security Council and no emergency session. There's been no UN Human Rights Council commissions of inquiry of investigations, mm. and we haven't heard for uh, you know calls of uh, restraint and, dispro- uh, and proportionate responses from the international community. And the, the results have been absolutely tragic. 400 people have been injured, 11 people have been killed so far, including a UN staff member. Thousands have been forced to flee their homes. Now, we go back about a month ago uh, or so to Jenin, where we went on a very, very surgical counter-terror operation with no directives for people to evacuate. We, We went in. Uh, with pinpoint precision, took out 12 terrorists uh, and, and left, and there was a whole international hullabaloo mm. front page headlines everywhere. Here, I'm just going to uh, go through some of those um, uh, tragic results again. We've got thousands who have been forced to flee. Where to, we don't know. Two UN schools have been damaged. 400 people have been injured. 11 dead, including a a UN staff member. We haven't heard a peep from the Secretary General of the UN, Antonio Guterres, or any of the usual virtue signaling um, social justice warriors. Uh, I don't know, Michael, maybe I'm misreading it. It it seems to me that if you cannot outrightly blame Israel, mm. nobody seems to care. Yeah, it seems like the UN, we've spoken about the UN before, the UN's perspective on these issues, Rolin. As you say, deathly quiet with issues like this, but uh, not, shall we say, shall we say equal on the, on the playing field in terms of looking at the situation from three sides to a story, you could say. But uh, that's the way it is. <laughs> we wonder now if there will be any remarks forthcoming. Let's end off our discussion, Rolin, on a feel-good, as we usually do. Violence and politics aside, Israeli-Zambian ties growing closer. Well, absolutely. We have the president of Zambia, as well as his foreign minister, and, of course, the lovely first lady of Zambia in the country at the moment. Yesterday, uh, the foreign minister met with our foreign minister, Ellie Cohen. They signed a number of memorandums of mm. agreement. But today, President Hertog hosted Zambian President Hakande Hichilema in Jerusalem, uh, along with his uh, wife, the First Lady. And he was welcomed with a, a guard of honor, uh, an a, a official state welcome. Uh, they had a number of very very, very fruitful meetings. And the Zambian president sat down with I-24 News, which is one of our local uh, news services, actually broadcasts internationally, and said, you know, we're looking forward to building mutually beneficial relations with Israel. And, uh, you know, it, it, it goes to something that you and I speak about quite often, mm. and that is ties between Israel and African countries are really, really blossoming. Durko, please pay uh, uh, attention. Uh, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. African countries don't see why they should have to take sides. They're looking at uh, where they can benefit from Israeli technology and know-how. And we are looking mm. at where we can benefit from great relations.
relations on the African continent. You just underlined the point, Rolene. Great relations between countries and what they can offer technologically and from an agricultural point of view, pending on and techn- techno point of view, pending on your viewpoint. Rolene, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Thanks so much once again for joining us and chatting to us about what's transpiring in the Holy Land at the moment. Rolene Marks, our correspondent from Israel.